Bibles, please, this morning to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number five, please. We're going to deal with a topic today that is very serious, but also very sensitive. So we want to be very mindful about what the Lord has to say here. And uh, the things that we deal with today are needed for everyone. Uh, Every single person in here, this message is not age specific or gender specific. It is Christian specific to us today. A message to us, Ephesians chapter number 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 13. The Bible says, But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Verse 15, please. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, Look at these next words here. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the Lord of the will of the Lord is. Those three words, friend, redeeming the time. I want you to realize this morning, if we are honest, if we are, uh, I guess if we're not ignorant or if we are not Uh, blatantly rejecting the truth that time is flying right and it's going faster and faster if you don't realize we're already almost into fall in 2023 and it seems like we were just in 2020 in the middle of a covid pandemic and time is just racing and as we get older it seems it flies by quicker as things that we would say i mean we hear this all the time but yet we hear it we know it we understand it but yet the bible says we still ought to redeem the time while we can With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach a message titled this, Time is an Opportunity. Time is an Opportunity. And I will explain more in a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the great word of God that we have, the sure word that we have. Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us. Lord, please, Holy Spirit, work in my heart as I preach. Work in the heart of the ones who listen as we see your word. And Lord willing, let it be clear. God, we desperately need your help. We desperately need it. We don't want this to be another sermon, another thing that just goes on with no fruit. We would like fruit from the Word of God today, Lord. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, how many of you would say that you are a football fan? Anybody? I'm a huge football fan. I I like Virginia Tech, all right? I love Chicago Bears and NFL I like football, even soccer football, if we called it that. I like that stuff, too. I like sports all around. Anything but badminton, I'd probably, or golf. I do not watch golf either, and nor do I plan on it. You have to reach a certain age in your life to watch golf, and I'm not at that age yet to sit and watch golf. But a few years and years ago, there was a bowl game. You know, in college football, they have bowl games at the end of the season. It was the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, one of the most famous games that teams can play in every year. Now, it was the University of California playing Georgia Tech. Now, what was cool about this game is that they were both undefeated. How many of you would love to see undefeated teams that have went the whole season undefeated play at the last and see who is dominant and who's winning? But it was late in this game in the second quarter, and Tech had the ball, and they were pressing hard. If you know football, they were on the 33-yard line. There was a man by the name of Thomason who was carrying the ball, and he was hit. And Thomason fumbled that football. The defender for the University of California scooped up the ball. 
He spun around. He began to run with it. I mean, the crowd was going nuts. They were cheering, cheering, because they had the, I mean, what a great play. And the California man, I mean, he's running well. His eyes are looking. His feet are up. He's running brilliantly. I mean, running absolutely wonderful. But one problem, he was running to the wrong goal. He was actually, the incredible thing was that his own teammates were trying to tackle him and the opposing team was running interference for him. Finally, after the chase, they got down to the one-yard line after he ran 67 yards in the wrong direction. Could you imagine the shame, the humiliation, the cat calls, the jeering uh, when the defender went back to his head coach? What would you do as a head coach? I'd wring that boy's neck. What in the world is he thinking? Driving us all the way back after we scooped up a fumble. Could you imagine the jeers? But this story is a story that's just like us. Many of us are running well. Our eyes are up. Our business is great. Our lives are settled. We're secure. Things are seemingly going well. I mean, some of us think we're living, I mean, wonderful, victorious, spectacular lives. The problem, though, that I seem to think that most of us have is this. We're running towards the wrong goal. We're running towards the wrong goal. And what I've learned in this life, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I'm here to tell you, friends, that time is an opportunity. The Bible says here, redeeming the time. Let's talk about this. In the Bible, there are two words that are translated for the word time. One word is the word chronos, right? That's where we get the word chronology from. A chronometer is what some people would call a watch. This word means passing of time, minutes, seconds, etc. You get the gist. Some people uh, would, would use that word like a chronologer. Chronos is that word for a passing of time. That's not what the Bible means here. When it says redeeming the time, it has nothing to do necessarily. I wouldn't say nothing, but it's not specifically talking about that. Actually, the word here in the Greek is kairos which means time, but this is like seasons of time, like an opportunity. When the Bible says to redeem the time, it speaks of days and hours. Yes, it does, but it speaks more than that. It speaks of an opportunity. I want to be very clear this morning and tell you, each of you, God has allotted a certain amount of time for you to live, and that time God has given you is an opportunity for you to use for Him. Now, some of us have different amounts of time. Up to this point, we're all given equal amount of time, though. We have 24 hours in a day. We have the same rotating schedules here. I mean, the only difference between you and I in successes or failures or going higher or lower is how we use our time. That's all. Many of us, I mean, I'm, I'm considered younger in this crowd. Many of you have had more time than I to live. And what you use that time for equals things. You spend time, and then you earn from that time that's spent now, the trouble is, here's the problem. Here's the issue, and I'm sure you're probably aware of it, but you need to be alerted to it again. The problem is this. You think you have time. But many of us, as we grow older, we realize we don't. We don't. Doesn't it feel like yesterday? It does for me. That, and and I, you may say, wow, I'm still so young. Yes, I can get that. But as I'm growing older, it feels like just yesterday I graduated from high school. And that was in 2017 when I graduated. Now, uh, it feels like yesterday I graduated from Bible college. And, and that was already over two and a half years ago. 
And now it feels like I just got married, but that already has been five months ago. And time is just flying by. Life is going. And the issue I have, the issue we have, the issue the Bible shows us we have, is we think we have time. And the problem is, is you don't. You surely don't. And you have one life, and it will soon be over. Very soon. And I wonder what we're using it for. That time. We're going to preach about time today and talk about priorities a bit and talk about what we need to do. We all need this because our priorities, I'm guessing if you're anything like me, our priorities are out of line. They're out of whack if we said that in modern vernacular. Let's go with this. Number one, time is a provided opportunity. Time is provided. Friends, I want to tell you this. God's number one gift to you is Jesus. Amen? But... God's number two gift to you is time. Without time, nothing else gets accomplished. Nothing. So Jesus is number one. He's the number one gift God gives to man. Number two is time. Time is a gift from God. Time is provided to you. You may think that you orchestrate your time like you earn it. But let me ask you, friends, how many of you are consciously making your heart beat right now? And if I would ask, none of you would say, I'm not making it beat. It naturally does it. In other words, God's nature, the orchestration that He does in nature is making you live and making you breathe. It is provided to us, not that we get it ourselves. Time is made available for use or abuse. God does not have to take your life, friends. God just has to stop giving it. I want you to change your mind. Not that someone's life is taken but their life can stop being given because He gives us the breath of life is what He gives unto us. If there was a characteristic of church members today, if there was a characteristic of people in our nation, in our culture, and in our lives today, it would be this, that they are asleep. The Bible says in verse 14, Awake, thou that sleepest. Arise! Hey, hey, hello, wake up! Time is coming to a close. Do you realize you don't have that much time left? I'm in my mid-twenties now. I'm heading towards 30. Before long, I'll be heading to 40 and 50. It'll go, it'll go fast. And all of you who are older and even younger, you realize time is just flying by at a rate that we cannot even comprehend. It's already mid-August of 2023, and we're already heading towards the fall. Where was our winter? Where was our spring? And now our summer, we're slowly hanging on, and now it's coming to the end of this year, and 2024 will be here before we even know it. And time is just flying by. We're all growing older. Our bodies are deteriorating. We're, uh, our, my hair, I'll speak for me, my hair is falling out. Uh, we're starting to get wrinkles, just me. Uh, you start to see um, some smiling wrinkles, some crow's feet people say. Uh, things uh, are aching more than they used to ache. Playing basketball, now you got to stretch a little bit. When I was younger, you could just jump right in and play and have no problem. Now you got to stretch. And now a few days after we work out, you find out you got aches. It still's not going away. Why is it still hurting? And you know one thing I hate about getting older is acid reflux. And God's people said, amen. I can't stand that stuff either. Our bodies are deteriorating. But the problem is we don't have much time. The problem is this as well. Many of you have a certain age in your life, in your mind, that you think you're going to live to. If me and Tucker, I'm 24, he's 18, and Miss Allie's about to turn 22 next week. We have, we naturally, and you probably know this when many of you were our age or younger, you realize in your mind you have a natural age you think you're going to reach. You're like, well, I'm sure I'll live till 70. 
I mean, that's pretty fair. The average male may live to that. I'm maybe 80 or if I'm lucky. I mean, I got plenty. Here's the mindset. You may not say it, but you think it. I got plenty of time. And you know what? People tell you that too. When you're in your early 20s or you're in your late teens, people come up to you all the time. They'll say this, and they say it in a good heart. Honey, you don't got to make any. You don't got to do anything. You got plenty of time. I get what they mean, but don't be joking with people. Don't be lying. There's not much time here. It's going fast. I mean, I remember when I was just Tucker's age, doing the same thing he's doing, about to go to college, and here I am now, six years later, is unbelievable to me. And for many of you, you probably realize it's the same thing as well. Time is provided. Here's a good poem for you. I only have a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. Didn't seek it. Didn't choose it. Forced upon me, I can't refuse it. But it's up to me just how I use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. God has given us time. And I want to tell you a good rule for your life. No one has more time than you. No one has more time than you. Everyone is allotted the same amount of time. The difference, the differ, what differentiates, oh my goodness, what is the difference between us is this, what we use our time for is what we use. That's what separates men and women. That's what separates people in success and people in failure or people who earn or achieve and succeed. It's just what people use their time for. So in other words, God provides a time for you. He gives you time and now you are to choose what you do with it. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. Everyone. Everyone has 1,440 minutes. 86,000 seconds are in a day. The difference is not that some people have more time than you. The difference is how people use the time God has provided for them. A good rule. Here's quickly. With time, you either use it or lose it. Time is a provided opportunity. I want you to see time as that. All of us, none of us know how much longer we have left. You have no idea. We know it is provided. We all know time has an end. We, though, we don't know when it is, though. We aren't sure when our last breath will be, when it will end, or how it will end. Uh, I, we could die by physical health. We could die by an accident, by eating something wrong. I mean, we could choke on a piece of food. I mean, we could trip down a stair leaving today. We can get a car. I mean, all kinds of scenarios can happen. But what I want you to realize, every minute from this point on is God time provided for you. It's very important that we realize this. That's why sometimes suicide, and I don't want to minimize suicide, but that's why sometimes that is a very selfish thing. When you're taking the time God has allotted for you. Only one life which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So let's reflect. Time is a provided opportunity. God gives you the same amount of time he gives everyone else. It's fair game. The reason I say that is the majority of us saying, they'll say this when it comes to their spiritual life. I just don't have the time. And to be harsh a bit, you're a liar. You do. You're spending it elsewhere. God has provided a time for us. Number two, time is a present opportunity. So number one, it's provided. Don't sleep on me now. This is where it gets good. Time is a present opportunity. Now is the time to make good use of time. Right now. Hey, listen. Right now, it is 1135 in the middle of August. 
What are you going to do with the next, let's say we have a sermon for the next 20 or 25 minutes realistically. What are you going to do with these minutes coming up? Time is... What are you going to do with the time given to you now? Don't waste it. You'll never get it back. You'll never see it again. This day, this time in history will never pass again. So either you use it or lose it, but it is present. It's now. Life is marching on, friends, whether we embrace it or not. Do you realize that? It goes without us. So either you use it or lose it. You don't get to save it. You don't get to hold it. You don't get to keep it. It doesn't stay in the bank. It's going and you must go with it. God wants you to awaken to the fact that today is the day. It was not yesterday and it's not going to be tomorrow. Time is a present opportunity. Now, do you know there are two days that steal productivity from today? Do you know what those two days are? Yesterday and tomorrow. Paul warns against this. Philippians 3, you don't have to turn, I'll read it for you. The Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Listen to this, the one thing he does. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what he did? Here's where we need to start. If you're going to redeem the time, you have to forget the past. You've got to let it go. Friends, what did Paul do? Number one, he forgot past guilt. Friends, I'm telling you, there are some of you here today who will not live in this present moment and who will not serve God in this present moment and who will not live for God now, will not right now, because you're so guilty of what you used to do. Hey, you've got to let it go. You've got to get rid of it. You will never redeem today and forward on if you keep milking the past for all the grief and hurt and drama it used to have. You know what the guilt Paul had? You remember in Acts chapter 6 and 7, that region, Stephen's stoning how he was there watching Christians die, how he killed Christians, that could be guilty to Paul. How he is a preacher now and he looks back and he says, wow, I used to kill some Christians. Could you imagine the guilt that would eat away at him for the stuff that he had done against God? Or what about this when he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. The things that he's done, hey friends, I'm telling you, you get it right with God and you move on. Don't milk it. Let go of past guilt. Get it right with God and press forward because if you milk the issues and the stuff you've done wrong in the past your whole life, you'll never be achieved. Listen, the bird that always has a wounded wing never flies. And I'm here to tell you, people try to milk it. They say, well, I'm just so bad. I did this 100 years ago and I can't do anything. Hey, friend, it's time to put a Band-Aid on it, get right with God, and keep flying for God's glory. It's not going to work out if you keep milking something you did years and years ago. Also, Paul had to forget past glory. Do you know why yesterday is a problem? It's also it's cause of guilt, but it's also cause of glory. Do you know what older people and older people have a problem with? Is they keep living in yesterday. Men especially do this. They'll say something like this, well, I did this in football when I was in high school. Oh, these are my trophies from back then. Oh, this is me in college. This is me. Men, are we guilty of living in past? Well, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to dunk. I used to be able to catch a football. And we usually talk about our past glories. Hey, we're not worried about yesterday's glories. I do not care in the aspect of your spiritual growth what you used to do when you were 25 years old. I do care what you're doing today. Many of us are living in what we used to be. Well, I used to be the prettiest girl. I used to look like this. I used to walk like this. I used to have all the boys coming after me. Ooh. 
and all this stuff. We live in who we used to be, and that's not who you are anymore. And that's why you waste the present opportunity of time. Because you keep living in past glories. You know, Paul was a great man. He was a wonderful saint. He was a great missionary, a great church planner. He had not yet arrived. Did you see that? He said, I have not apprehended. I'm not there yet. I'm here to tell you, friends, stop living in yesterday and have dreams for the end of your life. Keep dreaming. Keep building. Keep growing. Stop living in what yesterday used to be and who you thought you were hot stuff back then. It's not going to get you anywhere, and it does not achieve any success for today. Not at all. Not saying throw away your trophies or get rid of your glory pictures or your high school picture like this. I'm here to tell you those things cannot be what you're living towards and milking your whole life. If you want to live in today, you've also got to get rid of past grief. Paul suffered as few men had suffered. Friends, none of us need to feed a fever or nurse a grudge. Friends, you're going to have to let go of some hurt that you've had in the past, some grief, some pain. There's some, I listen, I'm not saying the pain's not real. I'm not saying the problems haven't been serious. I'm not saying that they aren't important, but I'm telling you some people will not live today for God or live today as a whole because they keep holding grief in their heart towards someone, something, and they won't live today because of what someone did to them 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Listen, friend, I don't know if I'm preaching to anyone in here or even over the radio or anything on the internet, but I'm here to tell you this, that people, listen, whatever happened to you as a child, if someone abused you, I'm sorry. But if you're going to move on and live for God, you're going to have to let it go. Friends, I don't know if you had a spouse who abused you or hurt you, and I'm sorry, I hate that. And maybe they should, they should be locked up for that. I'm serious. But you're not going to be able to move on and live the way God wants you to until you move past that grief and that hurt. I'm not saying it's easy. That's why I'm trying to be very calm. It's not easy. It's much easier said than done. But if you're going to press forward and forget about yesterday and press towards where God wants you to go, you're going to have to move past it and move on. Some of you need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to quit holding on to it and move on. I know it's not easy, but it must be done if you're going to keep going and live today and stop milking what happened years ago. Paul also, so he forgot past guilt, past glory, past grief, but also past grudges. Paul was abused. He was lied on. He was cheated. He was overlooked. Again, he refused to feed a fever and nurse a grudge. Hey, people, there's some issues. Listen, I know some people have what we call church hurt, where a preacher or a church member or something hurt them in the past, and I'm sorry that that was done. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that if you want something to milk and to, and to boo-hoo over and all these things, you'll find it. We all have issues. People have hurt us. Even in churches at work in our lives, we get hurt. It happens but you cannot hold a grudge or you'll never live today like God wants you to. Because you're just holding on to what used to be. You've got to move on. Well, they hurt me. They did this and that. I get it. But it helps no one for you to hurt yourself and be bitter. We're preaching to all of us. Bitterness is that pill that you swallow thinking it'll hurt someone else. And it just hurts you. You've got to let go of these things if you're going to live today. Am I preaching to anyone this morning? I'm preaching to me. we got to let go of these things. Or we're never going to be clear. Our heart will never be... we got bitterness that comes out with our sharp tongue, with our impatience, with our grouchiness, our irritability. And we got to let it go. I know there's hurt in my heart too, previous things. There's stuff in my life. But we got to let it go. We can't just keep holding on to it. Forgive and let it go. You know when the Bible talks about forgiveness... When you truly forgive, it means it's never brought up again. 
just in case you didn't know. So when you forgive, quit bringing it up. Let it go and quit bringing it up. Paul had forgotten about all that. He was pressing towards the mark. We're talking about time as a present opportunity. But that was yesterday that steals productivity from today. You know what also steals from today? Tomorrow. There was a psychologist named William Marsden. He surveyed 3,000 people and he asked them what they were living for. He went up to him. He said, what are you living for? Just in that statement, 94%, 94 out of 100 people of those 3,000 were enduring today in order to get to tomorrow. They were not living today. They were not living for today. They were anticipating tomorrow. Now, younger people have a problem with this. I suffer with this and still do in my life. The problem is, is we live in tomorrow like dreaming. Well, I can't wait till I get married. I can't wait till I graduate. I can't wait till I buy a house. I can't wait till I get the dream job. They're not living today because they're so anticipating tomorrow. Any of you remember your senior year of high school? And you remember those last month you had what people call senior-itis? When you didn't want to do nothing, you just wanted to get out of there. And you're just anticipating that graduation. Get me out of here. And you know what we did? I'm guilty of this. And you probably did it too. We didn't enjoy those last days with our friends. We just were ready to get out of there. And you know the people in that high school, I have only seen a handful of them since we graduated. Haven't seen any of them since in years. But I'm here to tell you this, friends. What steals the productivity out of the present time God gives us is yesterday and tomorrow. It seems that young people only live in tomorrow. Maybe you do too. They live in their graduation day, their wedding day, their license day, the day they move out, the day they have a child. Those dreams are great. Goals are great. Don't get me wrong. But wake up. Time is present. I'm charged right now. I realize if you did not know, my wife is 15 weeks pregnant yesterday. Thank God we're having a baby girl. And what I want to do right now, I was thinking of this this morning, is I want to enjoy the precious time me and her have before the baby comes. Because I realize, Lord willing, that we will always have another person in our family the rest of our lives, I hope. And this will be the last time it's me and her. And I want to enjoy this present time. Now, I'm anticipating my little baby girl, and I want to spoil her, and I, we want to do her hair. And I, yesterday... Uh, we bought a Chicago Bears onesie to put her in. Glory, hallelujah, all right, all right? And we're excited. But I want to live now instead of always living then. What I suffered with when I was younger is I always lived for my wedding day. I want a wife. I want a wife. I want a wife. I'm looking for her. I always lived for that day. I did not enjoy those days like I should or use them the way they ought to be used. Any of y'all guilty of this too? I am. We live in tomorrow way too much. You can serve God now. You can make a difference now. You can be used as God's vessel now. Enjoy the time God's given you now because once it's gone, it's never to return. Matthew 6, 34 says this, Take therefore no thought for your life, or for, your, for the morrow, excuse me. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When we worry about tomorrow, you take tomorrow's difficulty and bring it in today. So many people are worried about the future. So many people are too excited about the future. They don't live in the present opportunity God has given. He says, awake! Get up! Wake up! Now is the present time, the present opportunity for us to do what He wants us to do. Redeeming the time. The opportunity. Redeeming the opportunity. 
So we saw time is a present opportunity. It's provided opportunity. Number three, time is a precious opportunity. It's precious. The Bible says redeeming the time because the days are evil. What do you do when you redeem something? You know, you buy it. That, that's what that word means. You buy something. To redeem it means you buy it, buy for one's use. Now, we don't buy things that are worthless, do we? Well, some of you may because you're just collectors of knickknacks or something crazy. Maybe you like something weird. But normally, we don't buy things that don't hold any value. We don't buy garbage. We don't redeem worthless products. We buy those things that are precious. Now, time is a precious opportunity. And those who've lived long on this earth and are growing older... We realize how precious time is. I've learned this, and I've learned it young. I thank God for that. At one point in my life, I worked overtime every week at my job. When I was at Bible college, I worked overtime every single week, and I regret it. Here's why. Because I realize my time is more precious than my money. And I wish I had more time with my friends. I wish I had more time to breathe I wish I had more time to take care of other things rather than financially succeeding. And those are things I can't go back and fix because once I've spent that time, I can't get it back. It's so precious. That's why I don't work overtime now. I manage a pharmacy and I don't work overtime now. 40 hours. I told my boss that. You can get me to do anything in those times, but I'm not going over 40. I can't. My wife matters to me. Our baby matters to me. This church matters to me. I can't spend any more. Because my time with her is more important than my time and the money and the good things we could have. Because time is I can't get back. I can earn money any moment. You can always know how much money you have, but you can never know how much time you have left. With time, when you give time, you give yourself, basically. When you give someone your time, you give yourself. That's why it's so precious. That's why it's so valuable. Friends, I want to tell you this. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Now, wisdom, if we summed it up, is the art of using time properly. Really, when you sum it up, that's wise, is using your time right. Now, there's a few things here that we can use in principle. Number one, if you're taking notes, the priority principle. Ephesians chapter 15, 5, verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools. That's priorities. That means walk diligently. Walk accurately. Choose your priorities wisely. Hey, some of you are saying, well, I spend my time, but you're spending time on nonsense. Let me give you a personal example. I like using things for my own life so I don't have to pick on any of you. When I was in high school, I loved, 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 loved my Xbox. That's a video game console. And playing video games on one single game. It's called Modern Warfare, in case you didn't know. This is a truth. I'm just telling you it's true. I'm tattling on me. It's a war game on the video game system, and I loved it. But when I gave up that system, I had played in real time over 30 straight days on that game. That's how much time. It tells you how much time you're literally in the game. That doesn't mean before the game. That doesn't mean after the game. That doesn't mean turning on the console. It means while I'm actively playing, I spent over a month of my time. That's day and night of straight playing on one game. I had like 30. That's only one. And I can't have that month back 
of that one game. What could I have done in that month for the Lord Jesus Christ? My priorities were out of line. I'm not preaching against video games. I am preaching against people and men, especially, who have other stuff to do and they're just fiddle-faddling on their TV and their video games when they're not taking care of their priorities. I'm not against video games. I'm against when they go and get out of hand because our priorities are out of whack. We're spending our time. Now, you ask, well, how do I know if my priorities are out of line? Well, you just have to look at where you're spending your time. Your time reflects where your priorities are. You, there's no other way around it. People say this, and this is one of the worst things. I hate when I hear this. I just don't, here's what I, they say, I just don't have the time to read my Bible. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ain't buying that one single bit. I get that one all the time. I get it all. I just don't have time to read it. Yeah, okay. Here's what the rule needs to be in your life. Don't try to find the time. Make the time. All right? If you, if you find it, you're never going to find it. You have to make it. Friends, we got time. Check your screen time on your phone. The average of kids these days is, is sometimes six to nine hours a day on a phone. And adults are probably just as bad. Check your screen time. It tells you how long you're just spending on Facebook or your phone. And look at these things, friends. And let me tell you this clearly. Hey, you say you can't read, but you can scroll Facebook for three and a half hours. Yeah, okay, you don't have time. I'm preaching to this generation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't have time, but you watch Law and Order. Or you watch the news or Fox News for hours on end trying to catch up on your politics, but you don't have time. Oh, you sleep ten hours a day? Why don't you cut that to nine and spend an hour a day with the Lord? You say you don't have time. Okay. I don't mean to be harsh or sarcastic, but it really is a faulty excuse. It really is a lousy one. It doesn't work. It doesn't add up because your time shows your priorities. Number two, I want you to see the promptness principle. Verse number 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time basically also means this. Don't waste it. Do it now. Now, let me tell you this. Let's preach about some real things. This is a very practical message. Do you know that you need to be prompt and not waste time? Do you know that arriving late was a way of saying that your own time is more valuable than someone who waited for you? Hey, friends, this is a pet peeve, and this is a biblical principle. I'm here to tell you that time is important, and if you're one who is characterized by being late somewhere, you are disrespecting the place you're going. My employees who are late habitually, they disrespect me as their boss. They disrespect that organization they work for, and they're disrespecting themselves. People who are late to church habitually, not saying once in a while, but habitually late, you disrespect the place you come into. Punctuality is not limited to arriving at a place at the right time, but also taking actions at the right time. Being on time to appointments, meetings, is a phase of self-discipline, evidence of self-respect. Punctuality is courteous compliment that people pay to other people. This is all how we use our time, how we're using it. It's very applicable because God wants us to be prompt. We don't have long. We don't have time to put our feet up, sit in a hammock, and relax. Now's the time to do it now. Do you know what the theme word for many of us today is? Procrastination. If you wait until the wind and weather are just right, friends, you'll never plant anything and you'll never harvest anything. Do you know procrastination? Listen to me clearly, please. Procrastination and disobedience are the same coin, but they're on two different sides. Procrastination and disobedience are different sides to the same coin. And when you supply the will, God supplies the power. You ever heard that? What's willpower? You supply the will... God supplies the power. And friends, get stuff done. 
and let God work in your life and get it done now. So many people, you know what Satan's favorite word is? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. You just do it tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. God's wise word to you is today. So you saw the promptness principle. You saw the priority. Now let's go over two more. We'll be quick. The prayer principle. Verse number 17. It says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The key to unlocking your day to spend your time wisely is prayer. I know, well, I sound like an old-time fundamental preacher right now who talks about prayer and Bible reading. Yes, I do. Because it's still breathing in and breathing out of the Christian life. It's still Bible reading and prayer. Friends, some of you need CPR where I give you Bible time and you have prayer time. Breathe in, breathe out. The Christian life lives on those things. That is what a Christian life is about. Time is precious and time used in prayer is used wisely. It is oftentimes found that God's will isn't shown as one big picture. But it's shown day by day, prayer by prayer. Using your time wisely. Lastly, the power principle. The Bible says, be not drunk in verse number 18 with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Talking about time. Being filled with the Spirit, using your time wisely to do God's will and the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to learn to work harder. That's not what I'm saying. We need to work with more power. With more power. May the Holy Spirit be our guide. So time is precious. It's present. It's provided to us. Lastly, time is a passing opportunity. It's passing. The Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The day is passing. And friends, I'm telling you, you, my friend, will give an account for each day you've lived and how you've spent your time. I won't give account for you and you won't give account for me. You will give account for yourself. With time, it's, it's strange. Time is a very strange thing. You can't save it. You can't borrow it. You can't loan it. You can't leave it. You can't give it. You can't take it. All you can do with time is use it or lose it. Time can't be stopped. It can't be stored it can't be stretched. It can't be shared. I mean, some of y'all, I know how you stretch your Kool-Aid. You stretch your soup. You just add more water to it. All right? You can't stretch time like that. You can't share it. Listen to this. I'm going to read this twice for emphasis. Here's a poem for you. When as a child, I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth, I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, Time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in traveling on, time is gone. Once more. When as a child I laugh and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, Time flew. Soon I shall tr find in traveling on, time is gone. Do you realize that time is a passing opportunity? It's passing. I wouldn't wait for your salvation. I wouldn't wait to get right with God. I wouldn't wait to get right with your family if you can. I wouldn't wait to do things that you need to do to embrace your loved ones. To do the things that are important. That bring priority in your life. That are the right things to do. Do you intend to be a soul winner in your life? Many of us would say yes, but when? If not now, then when? 
Do you intend to be a good steward? When? Do you intend to get right with your friends? When? Do you intend to finally call your mom after 10 years? When? Do you intend to restore your family? When? When are you going to do it? We keep having good intentions, but nothing ever happens. When are we going to do it? It's passing, friends. I'm telling you, here's the difference. We are given the same time each day, but we're not given the same ending. I don't mean to scare you or to frighten you, but we really don't know when our last breath will be. I don't know. I have no clue. And you must realize the things that are important must be done now or they're just not going to get done. Time is an opportunity God's provided to you. It's present. It's precious and it's passing. Friends, it's provided to us each and every day. We all have it. Right now it's given to you. What are you going to do with it? It's present. It's here and now. Not yesterday. Not tomorrow. It's precious. This is a day we get to love in time. I get to love my wife. Love our church members. We get to have fun. We get to love the Lord. We have time. We get to spend. What a good life it is to still be living it. I don't know about you, friends, but I'm not looking to leave anytime soon. But I don't get to choose that. So it's precious to me. Every day. His mercies are new, aren't they? It's also a passing. It's going by. We're aging, in case you didn't know. We're getting older and older. It'll keep going. We can't stop it. You can't slow it. You can use Botox. You can take pills. You can try to make yourself look younger. But on the inside, you can't change it at all. So there's no time to waste. To do the things God wants us to do. To get serious about Him. Because friends, let me tell you this. When time passes quickly, that means we'll see Him sooner than you realize. We shall be face to face before you even blink, hardly. And life will go on. We don't have long on this earth. With all heads bowed and eyes closed this morning.